Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. So I want you to take out your notes, and uh, we're going to continue on. We are closing our series this morning. We're calling the series Friend Request. And uh, if you're with us, what we do is we use August as a way to step back uh, as we're thinking about our fall routines. And we ask, uh, and we want to challenge the cultural predisposition toward living a solitary Christian life. And when I wrote that down in my notes, I have to be honest with you what I even wrote down. I thought, this is what I said. I said, I'm not even sure that it's accurate to call an expression of Christianity that is steeped in isolated, solitary Christian living actual Christianity. And then I wrote, maybe I shouldn't share that. That'll tick everybody off. (laughs) But I want to say that. I don't know that there's a such thing as solitary Christ followers, you can't ever find it in the Bible. It's not in there. And so what we're talking about right now is sort of resisting that gravitational pull, and we're inviting everybody to build into their lives people around them for the rainy days. And because our world seems to be shrinking relationally all the time, we take August to push on this value every year. And I think I shared earlier in the series, we've been doing this now 15 years in a row, just sort of pushing on this gentle value, uh, this important value every year, every August as we start thinking about the fall. And so tonight we're inviting folks back. You've already heard it. We talked about group link. Come back. There's going to be a fun evening together. It's a great way to connect. I've shared before, I call it speed dating for small groups. So come on back. You'll get a chance to sort of experience all of that and what that really looks like. But that's what we're talking about. And so uh, in this series, Friend Request, we have looked at the core truth, the core challenge, especially as it relates to the impact of social media and our smartphones. Uh, We looked at the power of community within the model of Christianity first realized in the early church. And we took our lead, if you remember, from a little text in the book of Acts that is, is Im- embedded into the only picture we have of the early church. And it's Acts chapter 2, verse 46. I'll put it on the screen. Let's just read this out loud one more time together to humor me. Ready? Go. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And we notice this rhythm where they're large enough to celebrate. Uh, there's the temple courts. They're small enough to care. This is the breaking of bread together. And this is what we learned. We also learned in this series too, kind of through this example, that knowledge is never enough to live the Christian faith. And I think sometimes now we live in a world where where people know cool stuff about God, but we never step into any of that. So we just have filled our minds with all of this knowledge, but we're not living into that knowledge. And what we try to do uh, every weekend is challenge you to not just know things about your faith, that's never enough, but to, but to know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, even Jesus Christ. That was a great place for amen. That's, that's really what I want us to do. I want us to know, and, and, and I thought about this because we have learned that when God sent himself. He sent his son, Jesus. The opportunity was there for us to connect our emotion with our heart to our knowledge 
which is our mind about God and something happens there. I remember the old joke about the woman who came to her husband one day and she said, do you, do you love me? And he said, of course I love you. And he said, she said, I need to, you to tell me that. And he said, I, I told you when we were married, if something changes, I'll let you know. <laughs> now, who wants to be in a marriage like that, right? Nobody wants to be in a marriage like that. And, and sometimes I feel like this is the same thing, I think, sometimes that happens uh, in our relationship uh, with the Lord. And we, we have this knowledge about God, but we keep it distant. And it's austere. And it's unemotional. And I, I don't want to, I don't want to have any relationship in my life that's characterized by that. I want it to be something way more than that, right? And so we're talking about that uh, right now uh, in this series. We know there's a connection requirement, but we know that relationships are messy. And sometimes uh, uh, they're, they're messy. Um, and this is, I believe, sometimes this is the way God has designed it. And somewhere in the process of life against life, and we do it right, all of the rough edges are worn off and something beautiful develops. I don't know if you saw this story. There was a woman this week who uh, went into one of the parks, uh, uh, state parks out in uh, Arkansas, crater of the Diamond State Park. And um, she. Uh, this is where you can, they have, you can occasionally find diamonds out there. You hear about this story? And so she went out there to the state park, and here's literally what she did. She Googled on, uh, on her smartphone. She watched a quick little video on how to find diamonds. And then when the, when the video was over, she looked right over and found almost a four-carat diamond right next to her. <laughs> worth over, there, there it is right there, worth over like $60,000. How many of you ever found anything like that? <laughs> I found a quarter once. And so this is like an interesting thing, but you think about a diamond and how it's under the pressure and under the contact, and over a right period of time, something beautiful develops. And this is what God is inviting us to consider in, in the dynamic of human relationships. There's something about life against life uh, lived in all of its messiness where something very powerful emerges. And this is sort of the idea behind the series uh, that we're talking about this morning. And so I want to end our, 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 our series this year with a passage of Scripture that is one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture that describe what the body of Christ should look like. And in fact, this is the passage of Scripture where we even get the imagery or we get the metaphor that, that a group of Christians together represent Christ's body. So this is where that whole, you've heard of, you know, sometimes church has its own language. We talk about the body of Christ. This is where we get this concept. And I want to read to you, it's from Paul in 1 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 12. It's a longer passage, but it's so beautiful, I just want to read it. And it's my sermon, so I get to make those decisions. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 12, beginning at verse 12. Here's how it goes. He says, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now, even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. 
Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. And if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. And on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. And if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. And so you now are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Isn't that just a beautiful uh, idea? I mean, this is Paul. It's first uh, one of his earlier letters that he wrote, and it's a classic passage on what Christian community is all about. It's, it's if we're seeing here for the first time the classic biblical metaphor of God's people gathered together as the body of Christ. There are all these... Um, I think uh, insights we can glean from this passage of Scripture. And, and, and I want to focus on three this morning because um, this is what we're doing in this series, and we're focusing on what it means to live in community, especially with, with the age that we live in and the proliferation of our smartphones and all of our social media, which has literally changed everything. In fact, I was thinking about this. It has even changed the way that we talk. Have you noticed it? And so, I, and 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 to prove the point, here's what I want to do. I want to show you. Uh, I'm going to show you some abbreviations that we now use in our culture, and I want to see if you can get them. So I'm going to do a little test here. Okay. So I'm going to put up some. Here's some. We're going to throw them up. So anybody know what DM means? Two of us. Great. Okay. Direct message. Uh, FB stands for what? Okay. FBF. No. Flashback Friday. I, IG stands for what? RT stands for what? You guys are horrible at this, okay? All right, uh, IDK stands for what? IMO, in my opinion. SMH, TBH, throwback Thursday. Uh, Trevor sent me this, okay? Uh, Bogo. That's not a social media thing. I just threw that in just to throw it in. Okay, R-O-F-L. I-C-Y-M-I. In case you missed it. YOLO. Uh, I don't even know what the next one is. Okay, P-O-I-D-H. We, this is awful. This is bombing bad. All right. Here's my favorite one. C-N-R-H-K. Anybody know what that stands for? 
It stands for Chuck Norris house kicking you in the face. Not house kicking you in the face. And we just made it up. Okay? That was horrible. That whole thing was Trevor's idea. Here's the thing. There are three ideas that are embedded in what Paul is saying that I, I want us to think about for a moment or two, okay? And, and when you look at all of this imagery that Paul is speaking about in these verses, there, there are a million things we could talk about. I mean, that's, that's great preaching material, but there are three big ideas that I think uh, have quite a challenge for us that I want us to focus on uh, just for a moment. And, and I want to break the passage down. If you're taking notes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about three big sections, and I want to pull one piece of fruit out of each of the sections, okay? So, in, and the first one is this. In verses 12 through 14, I think here's what Paul is saying. He's saying, don't miss out on the highest unity. And what you find in verses 12 through 14, over six different times, he does this thing where he goes, well, there's one, but now there's many. There's one, but now there's many. We who are one, but now we're many. And um, though we though uh, we are many, we are one. He turns it inside and out, all over and, and, and back, in, in and out, all over the, the space. And this is what I think he's really challenging us around, that the body of Christ has this incredible potential to bring to it the greatest sense, the highest and best sense of what it means to have unity. And I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but that's not anywhere else found in our world anymore. Have you noticed how divided we have become about every single uh, little thing? Um, it's as though Paul is saying this, wherever we are, wherever we're coming from, whoever we think we are, whatever we've done, we're all moving together in a common need toward Jesus Christ. I, I was thinking about this because I, I, I even think about the disciples. Think, think about the grouping of the disciples just for a moment together. Like that, that ragtag group of people that he pulled around him. I, I would just think, even just a cursory read of that, you've got Matthew, who was a tax collector. Okay, so like, that's like the ancient IRS person, okay? You've got Judas the zealot, not, not Judas the betrayer, but the other Judas the zealot, who was kind of like back then, that would be like a borderline domestic terrorist. I kid you not. You've got um, one collecting taxes, one trying to overthrow the government. You've got fishermen. If we were to do that today, I was thinking what it would look like. It would be, if, if Jesus was pulling the disciples together today, it would be one with a MAGA hat, the other with an Obama pin, Somebody with a Green New Deal sticker sitting across from a guy wearing a Feel the Burn Bernie shirt. That's what you'd find. And if you wanted to get really radical, you'd have a gator sitting next to a hurricane. And the gator would be in the bigger chair. Okay? There's, that was mine, not Trevor's. Okay? So here's what I want to remind everybody. There is this opportunity for this great unity that comes through the body of Christ. Here's what I remember a pastor saying to me years ago. I've never forgotten. He said, you know, here's the thing I love about being a follower of Jesus. The ground is always level at the cross. No matter where we're coming from, no, no matter where, what, what story we have, 
We, our story, very different from somebody else's story, but we, we just walk the path. We go across the Kidron Valley. We just find out where Jesus is, and we get to Golgotha, and we stand at the cross, shoulder to shoulder, everyone. I'm drawn to that. Drawn to it. There is a tremendous sense for the greatest sense of unity how Jesus bridges the divides of class, race, political party, gender, nationality, ethnicity, and ideology. He's still doing it. He's always been doing it. He's going to continue to do it. Somebody say amen to that. It's very powerful. And then Paul goes on. If that's not challenging enough, Paul goes on and, and he says this. He says, don't miss out, I believe he's saying, on the next portion of Scripture, on the widest sense of belonging. And, and, and in verses, I think it's 15 through 20, he starts doing the thing that I just read. Well, like if the, if the ears, you know, should say to the nose, you know, because I'm not a nose, I don't belong to the body. If the nose should say to the ear, if the hand should say to the foot, and he's saying, you know, and, and, and he finishes every one of those phrases by going, you know, I, I don't belong for this, for this reason, I don't belong. And what Paul is pointing out, he's going, no, 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 no. We all belong. We, we all fit. I mean, if the kingdom is working in the way the kingdom should work, uh, it speaks to the greatest need that we all have to belong. You ever been to a place before and, and just felt, had it just feel like, ooh, these are not my people. And I don't, I don't feel like I belong here. You ever had that feeling? That's an awful feeling to have. And, and by the blood of Jesus Christ, Jesus sets all of that aside. And he says, we all belong. If you're, you know, uh, John Wesley, founder of the Methodist movement, said, he said it this way, if your heart, in reference to Christ, is like my heart, Give me your hand. Let's go together. It's powerful. I remember in the early days of serving in ministry, the first time I had a church that was, I, I could say it this way, my own, was an associate. I was a senior pastor of a small church in North Florida town. And I'd been there almost a year. And I was fixing to go to some meetings or denominational meetings. And this was back before cell phones. And you would go to these meetings and they had this big board and they would put, uh, you would walk by the board. The, 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 the conference was broken into districts and they would, they would just put a sticky note on, on like a thumbtack if you need to get a hold of somebody. And then you'd go get a payphone. Remember this, y'all? I mean, right? And, uh, I, I had, uh, I, I had, you know, preached and driven like five hours down to this meeting. And the next day I'm just breezing by this big board. And I look up, I look up into my district and I just see pink slips everywhere. And I thought, wow, man, someone's having a rough day. And then I looked and my name was on every one of those pink slips. <laughs> and I was like, my gosh, what is going on? Well, let me tell you what had gone on the day before when I was preaching. Okay. This is, this is 1991. The day before when I was preaching, a, 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 a man had come to the church and he had brought some children with him of a different race. And about five people at the church went home 
and came back at the service when the service was over and invited that man to never do that ever again. And every one of those things was that blowing up. Now, I had just started in ministry. I I was forced with a decision right there. Do I go home? Or do I pretend that's somebody else's church? And I left the meeting and and drove home, and we ended up having a a meeting about that. And I remember standing up, and I'm just going to tell you all, quite honestly, this was a moment of clarity for me as pastor. And I was standing there, and I didn't know if the, did the whole church feel that way. I, I, I mean, I didn't know. I had this sense of not belonging. And I'm sharing, I, I'm standing in front of our congregation, and I just called this congregational meeting, and I could feel my knees shaking. Okay? Which is weird for me to say because my knees don't shake anymore. <laughs> just saying. And I just said, I just remember saying, if, if we're doing that, I mean, I'm, I'm out. I'm, I'm out. I will not be here. Now, now I just want to say, I, here's, here's, what I, here's what I want to just say about that. There are these moments. And, and every one of us have been in a place before where we don't feel like we belong. And part of what we're trying to describe to you in, in painting a picture of what the body of Christ is, it's, it's a body of Christ that's always saying what Wesley said, if your heart's like my heart and we're moving toward Christ, give me your hand. Let's go together. That's always the fundamental question. Because I think regardless of what your story is, you can find a group that will not like your story. It's out there. Trust me. And so Paul is writing in this way as he's saying, he's saying when the body of Christ comes together and we all just decide we're going we're gonna to do this radical hospitality, this radical community thing, there's, there's this tremendous sense for the, for the highest unity and, and, and the widest sense of belonging. And he invites us in that moment to be reminded, and this is not popular to say in our culture today, our allegiance to his kingdom and his ethic is always our first allegiance, period, if you're a Christ follower. I want to say that again. Our allegiance to his kingdom and his ethic is our first allegiance if you're a follower of Jesus. Our allegiance is to another kingdom. And then lastly, I just want to say this. Paul's saying don't miss out on really on on the deepest love. This is the one that gets me. Uh, And and in these references, what he says uh, over over again, he talks awkwardly about the parts of the body that we cover with special modesty. And, and, And you know what he's really saying there contextually? that we make a radical commitment to love the people no one else loves. Our church should be a kind of church that loves the people no one else loves. My, my best friend, you know, Pastor George, who I invite over every now and again to preach. And Pastor George, the motto of their church is, he, is this, Lord, send us people no one else knows or sees. Send us those people. It's just the... It's the sense of the deepest love. 
over and over again. This past week, um, last week I was at the East Campus and preaching over there, go over there, I guess, every three times or four times. And we have some sisters over there. They're doing incredible work, and they serve the poor and and feed the poor. And um, our church and a, a generous benefactor uh, within our church helped buy them a new van on the van and pray for it. And I was driving like a maniac to get over there early enough to lay hands on that van and pray pray for these ladies. And this is the widest, you know, the deepest, most profound opportunity to love. This is this is what the body of Christ looks like. Now, here's what I want to remind you: there was a moment when every one of us, this is what we needed. It was us, for whatever way you want to characterize it. You were on the outside. And you needed a place to belong. And you were welcomed in. And then God says, would you be a welcomer to others? Would you do it too? It's messy work. It's hard work. It's difficult. There, there, are, days, there are days still today I go home and sometimes go, is it making any difference at all? Have you ever felt that? Please raise your hand. It's a vulnerable moment for me. <laughs> I need to know that. And, 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 and God, just like what God was saying to Jennifer earlier, I, I feel like the Lord is saying, yes, and you stay with it. Sometimes I come home exhausted. I have to show you this picture. I want to end this message this way. This is just so fantastic. It's the perfect picture of what I'm trying to say, to be invested in this hard work. I saw a picture this week of this young girl uh, on her first day at school, and I want to show you. This is what she looked like when she went to school. Is that awesome? Is that just beautiful? Now, this is what she looked like when she got off the bus. I mean, that's it. But look at the satisfaction of a job well done on her face right there. She's like, I crushed kindergarten today. I crushed it. It always reminds me when, 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 when Beth would go out of town when the girls were young and I would bring the girls to church, that's what they look like. Because I didn't know how to do the hair. Men, can I get an amen? I didn't know, I didn't know how to do the hair. And I'd, I'd bring them, and, and like people would come up to me, and they'd go, hey, is Beth out of town? And I'm like, how do you know that? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. You know? It's worth it. Worth it. Unity, belonging, and love. It's messy. It's worth it. Come back tonight. Be a part of it. So here's what we're going to do. We, we can't leave without celebrating. We just have to celebrate. Right? Been a heavy morning. Got to celebrate a little bit. I'm going to invite us to stand. And I'll pray for us. And Billy's, we're going we're gonna to light it up a little bit in here. Okay? All right? Lord, would you, would you help us to catch a vision for this unfolding, redemptive drama that is happening all around us and that we would see what you're doing in the world. And we would just say in all of its messiness, we would just say, yes, yes, yes. Let me be a part of it. This is our prayer in the name of Christ. Everyone said, amen. Amen.